0: is God good this morning? Is God good this morning? Okay. I want you to, I want you to we got to kind of get our motors going here a little bit. So I want you to say, Jesus. No, no, say it again. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. It again. Jesus. Jesus. I'm going to tell you, when you did that, all of hell shook. You, let's just torment the devil a little bit. Jesus. Jesus. Amen. It's good to torment the devil, isn't it? He torments us enough, doesn't he? I like to give it back to him every now and then and just say Jesus' name. There's power in that name. Can you say amen? Now, before we get started this morning, I want to uh, um, just tell you a little bit and and maybe encourage you and and challenge you a little bit. Breakthrough, we had Breakthrough uh, Friday, and we had a tremendous, tremendous time in Breakthrough. Last breakthrough we contended for healing. We had several people healed and touched and ministered to by Jesus. How many know our God wants to heal us? Can you say amen? You know what, you can look in the Bible and you can see it very very clearly that healing is a part of what God wants to do. Now, I can't answer all the questions about why and why not, but I know this is our God is a healer, amen? That's what his word says, and and you know what? One of the things that we talked about in there is we've got to stop adjusting the Bible, to our experience. We need to adjust our experience to the Bible. Can you say amen? And so somewhere along the line, what we understand is that God is a healer. And I know that there are people all through this congregation right now that need healing. Amen. So I want to encourage you to come on out to Breakthrough. It's not that God can't heal you anywhere else. He can do that. But this is time that we actually set aside We purposefully, deliberately set time aside to say, you know what, God, we are going to contend and we are going to believe you specifically at this time, this hour, that you will meet us with your healing power. There seems to be throughout scripture moments and seasons where God showed up in a special way. There's a verse of scripture that says his presence was there to heal them. It was almost as if there was this moment that God had set an appointment. It was a divine appointment. So I want you to I want you to think about that next time. Next breakthrough. Uh, it's only a month away, we do it every every uh, month now, once a month on the third Friday of the month, and you know what, we're contending, we're believing God, so come on out and be a part of that, it only lasts about an hour and 15 minutes, we don't drag it out, we're not going to uh, do all that, but we're going to get in there, but we are going to have an extended time of worship welcoming Him and His presence and and, and and just putting our minds, getting the cobwebs out, so that we can believe what God has for us, so i Courage to come and be a part of that. Now, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me over to the book of Acts, the book of Acts, chapter 20, this morning. Um, very familiar portion of scripture i, I it 's one of those portions of scripture that it once again it 's one of those favorite ones, and that you almost kind of not want to say that because the reality is my favorite scripture starts in genesis one one and goes all the way through revelation twenty one or twenty two wherever it ends and you know somewhere along the line all of it 's good. can you say amen and so there are some scriptures though that in seasons and in different uh, time, times of our life, those scriptures will jump out at us because they're speaking to us a certain thing. And so that's one of these times right now. And this weekend, what I want to do is I want to take a little bit of your time and I want to finish this series that we started a few weeks ago. I felt Um, uh, led of the Lord, and I felt very uh, heavy that it was extremely important that we once again define and describe the vision of this house. How many know that the Bible says that without a vision, the people perish? And so if you do a word study on that and chase that around a little bit, you'll find out that people without a vision, they just end up running amok. They just kind of go wherever they go. It's kind of like one of the things that you can look at it as is is you can look at a river versus a flood. The same amount of water, but a river has boundaries, it has banks, and it produces life, but a flood is nothing but destruction. And vision is really that thing that provides those boundaries, those banks, if you will, that will give us direction and cause the power of our lives to flow in such a way that it will bring life, that it will bring fruitfulness. And so we really do need a vision. Can you say amen? And so there is a vision in this house, in this Church, and it's incredibly important that you and I understand not only as a congregation but as individuals that we understand in clarity what that vision truly is. And the reason why we need to understand it is because it is also imperative this morning that we become personally invested in the vision. It's not enough, church. Let me, let me say this. I'm going to say this very clearly. It is not enough in your Christian life just to go to church. Yeah. I'll say it again just, just in case. It's early. It is not enough just to go to church. That was not what God had intended Amen. There has to be an investment of our lives into what God is doing. I shared with the congregation last night, there's basically three types of people, and this comes from a book that was written some time ago. I'm not even sure anymore what the the specific subject was about, but the, the title of the book was Renters, Buyers, and Freeloaders. And the point of the book was is there's basically in life three types of people. You have freeloaders. Yeah. Have you ever met a freeloader? You know what a freeloader is. They're basically they're out from what they can get. It's all about them. In other words, if a freeloader is living at your house, they, they don't do any dishes, they, they, don't, they, they don't help with yard work, they, they demand lots of stuff, they, they eat all the food, they, they hog the remote of the TV. You, you know what a freeloader is, kind of basically a teenager, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's, 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 they really don't want to do anything, they, they're just there for what they can get. Then you have renters. Now, renters are a little better than freeloaders because, you know what, when a renter goes into a house or an apartment, it, 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 they feel like that space is theirs, they, they feel a, a personal connection, they're going to live there, so they'll clean, they'll paint, they'll, they'll kind of put their personality in it, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day when the true cost is demanded, well, it's not mine. In other words, if the air conditioning goes out, hey, I just pay rent here. I'm going to call the landlord. He's got to pay for the $7,000 air conditioning bill. How many know what I'm talking about? Or if the hot water heater goes out, they call up the landlord and say, you know, you got to have a hot water. I pay rent. You need to, but this is not my responsibility. And so ultimately at the end, while they have a little bit of skin in the game, they really it's, it's really not theirs. And then you have buyers you have buyers, and you know what a buyer is? It's is, is, is somebody, it's like, do you remember the first car you bought? It's like, hey, 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 get your muddy feet out of here, man. What, what are you doing? I just cleaned this thing. You, you, you know, and then you had friends that smoked. No, you can't smoke in my car. What are you doing? No, 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 not even with the windows open. Get those. In fact, I don't even want the pack of cigarettes in here. Out. That ashtray is decoration only. That's where I put, that's my coin jar. I put coins in there, not ashes. Why? Because you got skin in the game. You, it's your house. <coughs> it's your car. It's your church. Amen. See, part of the problem is today is we, we have a lot of people. There's a lot of people in the American church and I'm not just saying here, don't, so don't misunderstand me. I'm not shooting at anybody here. But there is attitudes that it's like, hey, I'm just going to go to church for what I can get out of it. I, I just, I'm just going to go. I really don't have any intention of having any skin in the game. I, I, you know, And so really, I don't care. As long as, it's, as long as it's producing for me, I'm golden. I'm good. But if, if, if it stops, then I'm out. I'll go to another one. And, and we see these people all the time. they, they go from church to church, church to church to church, because really they, they don't have any there's no identity, there is no home. They just they're kind of freeloading. Then we see the people all the time that, yeah, it's like, okay, well, I go to church there, and, it, and it's good, but ultimately it's your church. Pastor, it's yours. You, you know, I gave to you, you didn't give to me, you gave to Jesus. I, I hear this all the time, I gave to you, you didn't give to me, you gave to Jesus. It's amazing with the, how we think, and so then we have the third person where it's like, you know what, this is my church, and you know what, sometimes in my church I get upset. You know what, at my house, there's been things at my house I haven't liked. Can you imagine, What? can you imagine me going home today and, and, and seeing something at my house I didn't like, looked at Kathy and says, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going to another one. This, this house is hot. I'm out of here. <laughs> is this too close to home? This house is too cold. I'm out of here. That TV's too loud. I'm done with this place. No, no, man, it's my house. My house. I'm going to defend it. It's mine. And that's why the vision is so important because it's mine. It's, it's ours. It's something that God put on us. The Bible says that he places us in the body as it pleases him. And so we're not here by accident. Can you say amen? So with that thought, we, we know that it's important that we understand why what we, we do what we do. Why are we doing all the things that we do? Why, why? And we, we've answered that question many times. It's because it's for the one. It's for the one who is still lost in sin. The one who is still broken. The one who is still out there that, that needs a savior, that needs a deliverer, that needs a healer. We we do what we want we we do what we do for the one so that they can receive grace and find hope and experience transformation just like us. Can you say amen? amen? But listen to me today. We, we, we have got to be, we, there's more to this vision than just being committed to the lost. We, we're, there's no doubt, we, we are committed to the lost. Go ahead and put that up there. I don't have my clicker, go ahead. We're, we're, we're committed to reaching the lost, but there's more to that. We have to be committed to restoring the lost. Go ahead, put that up there. We need to restore the the lost, the broken. Why? Because, listen, people are going to come into this place and they're going to be broken. They're going to be hurting. They're not going to be perfect converts. They never are. You were not. I was not. I remember Pastor Alex, years ago, preached a, a message about the demoniac. He called it, a one-man haunted house. (laughs) And sometimes people show up like that. And sometimes they're there and and, and 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 they have lots of problems and there's a lot of difficulties and they've got all this going on, but that it's our job. We used the example last week of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, and Lazarus comes out of the tomb, but he was still wrapped in the in the death clothes, the death cloth, and, and Jesus said, Loose him, let him go. He he had life, but he didn't have liberty. And it was the responsibility Jesus instructed those that were in his family and that knew him to release him. That's a powerful thought. That's what Jesus is doing today. And so our job is to reach the lost, but it's also to restore the broken. Can you say amen? And this morning, our our vision, we bring the last piece of the pie, the last slice here, the seal, if you will, is we've got to be committed to releasing, go ahead, put that up there, those into destiny. Releasing into destiny. You said, why is that? It's because it brings us full circle. That full circle, we, we, we reach the lost, we restore the broken, and then we release into destiny, and they go reach the lost and restore the broken, and it continues. It's the cycle of life, if you will. The sad reality is, there are many that have given their lives to Jesus, but they will never, ever maximize their full potential that God has placed inside them. That's, that is what I think is so sad about churches. As I look at churches around the world and churches around the country, and even in Kingman, and even sometimes unfortunately here, is there's a lot of people that have enormous huge potential, gifting and ability that is inside them, but we end up living mediocre lives. And the extent of our life goes untapped. Why? Because oftentimes we are unaware of the tremendous potential that's in us because we never find a place of release. We never find our fit. And when we don't find our fit, we don't find our function. Are you hearing me this morning? Yeah, yeah. It's important. This is this is not my this was not my idea. This is God's idea. The Bible tells us this. It says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11, it says that God gave gifts to men. Jesus gave gift to men. Gifts to men. He says some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And he says the reason that he does that verse 12, he says He says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. So the plan of God in the church, in the body, was that there would be this structure, if you will, of leaders that would come alongside the body, equipping them, and then releasing them into the work of the ministry. Do you understand this morning that every person sitting in this room has a call of God on their life. Every person. Now, it's the, the callings are varied. They're, there is a variety of callings. And not all of us are called to public pulpit ministry. Some of us are called to go into the workplace. Some of us are called to be Christian school teachers or Christian garbage men or Christian plumbers or Christian carpenters. And let me tell you something, that calling is no less than my calling. See, oftentimes what we do is we measure the calling based on what we consider as the spiritual value of it. But the reality is your life matters. And so your life, as God has created it, is to be released into the ministry. See, there are those that are called to reach the lost. Those are the evangelists, those are the missionaries, those that have a passion to speak the truth of God's word and to go out and present the love of Jesus. Then there are those that are called to restore. Those are the ones that have great patience and and they love working with people and, and they bring them along and they have this ability to teach and train and guide and lead. And then you have the ones that are able to release. They're the ones that can see beyond the moment. They're the ones that can see the elephant in the marble. You say, where'd that come from? I think it was Michelangelo that was asked, how do you you carve an elephant out of stone? He goes, I chip away everything that's not elephant. (laughs) And somewhere he had this ability to see he could look at a piece of wood or a piece of stone or marble, and he could see in it because that's an eagle, that's an elephant, that had the ability to see raw material, but he could see the finished product. See, too many times we're waiting for the finished product to show up, and God gives us raw material. And so there's a real, there's a real process involved in this, and this is what we're supposed to do. Can you say amen? Amen. How is it that we end up living these mediocre lives? Well, it's, it's because in part we fail to understand the importance of releasing. We, we end up going, well, that's just not me. No, it is you. It's what you were created to be. Look at Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 22. The Bible says, and now Paul's writing, he says, now I'm going to Jerusalem drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit, not knowing what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit has told me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. He says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about God's wonderful kindness and love. Look at, look at this verse in verse 24. It captivates me. He says, but my life is worth nothing unless I use it for doing the work that's been assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. See, Paul had a perspective about his life. I I remember years ago, I, I'll tell you a story. Years ago, when we were still in the downtown building. Um, this was when computers were really coming you know, personal computers were really coming on the scene, and all of that, they were getting more and more powerful, and you could do lots of stuff, there was a lot of graphic stuff you could do, and I was getting, uh, you know, really into accounting and all of that, and so I had decided to start a business, and my, the, I even went out and got a business license, and it was called Executive Business Services, that was the name of my business, got a business license, and I started working with a CPA that lived in Flagstaff, and I would travel around the Southwest with him. And I would I would go to churches, and I would help put churches all their accounting on computer, and I would help them with all of their corporate stuff. And I, I don't know how many churches that I incorporated and got all their nonprofit and their five hundred one c three and all of this you know all this stuff. I was doing and then and then I got into the graphics I started designing business cards and flyers and advertisement and and I thought man this is really cool I'll I'll build a business and I remember within a short short period of time I started getting stressed out I mean just pressure pushed on me pushed on me couldn't seem to make things work couldn't seem to see heads or tails and it just All this pressure on me. And I remember going to the altar down at the old church and I was praying. I said, God, I I don't know what's going on. And I remember distinctly God speaking to me. And he says, I didn't call you to build a business. I called you to pastor a church. (laughs) I said, what are you saying, God? He says, shut the business down. And I did that day. Oh, I still went and helped churches, but I did it for free. People would call me. They say, I need some advice. Absolutely, not a problem. I had a skill. I had a gift. But what I was doing now is I was using that for the glory of God rather than the glory of John. Not that the building of business was wrong, but my calling, my calling was about pastoring. And when I wasn't working in my calling, I was stressed out. But as long as I worked in my calling, I had peace. I had satisfaction. And this is what we see, and so somewhere we have to release that in our church. We have to release it in ourselves, and we have to release it in others. And Paul had a perspective of life that said, my life doesn't have any real value or meaning. It has no purpose or fulfillment. There's no reason for it unless I'm doing what God's called me to do. So many of us continue to look for purpose and meaning and value in things that have no purpose and no value in life. The Bible says that we all have a call. We all have a purpose. We've all been given a gift, a talent, an ability. We're a part of a body, placed in a body on purpose. We're here for a reason. We have something to do, and we're expected to do it. Can you say amen? And that reality is true about every person that comes into the church. That reality is true about everybody that would darken the door, so everybody that would come in through our reaching the lost, everybody that comes from restoring the broken, that very statement, they have a calling, they have a gift, they have a purpose. And it is our responsibility to be a church that's willing to be a part of releasing potential in every person he said well, why are you saying that well because if we don't understand what that's about if we don't understand that we can tend to get really offended he said what do you mean well let me see if i could help you myself and pastor alex and and pastor harry we were part of a fellowship a long time ago a group of churches that had a vision and their vision was to raise up young men and women and to send them out into the world as, as pastors to raise them up. We, they, the people, would get saved. Pastor Howard, Pastor Howard got saved three years after salvation. Three, he pioneered his first church on parole. <laughs> I always loved that story. He told me the story. He said, "Yeah." He says, "When I he, he went to Hemet, San Jacinto area and." pioneering in church, and he had, I don't know, a handful of guys, and he was having a Bible study with these guys, and he, because Howard, he, Howard was a true pioneer. He, he would go into, a, he would show up in a park where they're having a basketball game, and he would challenge everybody. He'd say, I'll, I'll whip y'all. If I win, you got to come to my Bible study, and oftentimes he'd win. He, he was just that kind of guy, and, and so he, he had all these guys, and they were there, and, and he said, one day he's doing the Bible study, and knock comes on the door, and, he opens the door and there's his parole officer. And he says, it's "Time to do your UA." So he had to stop Bible study to do his UA so to make sure he's clean. And he's pastor in a church. See, that's release right there. See, what happens when a church stops releasing, what we do is we make it more about comfort and we make it more about making it feel good. But see, when you start releasing people into their destiny, oftentimes it becomes awkward and uncomfortable. You say, why? Well, because a lot of times the people you're releasing, they're just beginning. I remember the first time I preached, it wasn't my very first sermon, but it was my first sermon in this church, we, we were downtown and, and, and uh, my gosh, if you want you there, there's actually somebody made a CD of it a while back. You can listen to it if you want. It's crazy. I was monotone, stood behind the pulpit, just hung onto the pulpit, would look at my notes and then look around like this and look down. It was horrible. It was a train wreck. It was wretched. I was no good, no good, none. I had a lady walk up to me afterwards, and she says, nice speech. You, you know what you do? You don't want to, when you preach, it's a message. It's, a, it's the oracle of God. It's a, that was anointed. My gosh, that changed my life. It's not an Amway sales thing. <laughs> nice speech, bro. No, it wasn't a speech. I gave my life for that. I was horrible. I remember the first time I got to preach on a Sunday morning. Pastor Howard was preaching a revival somewhere, and he had to be gone through the weekend. And so Howard says, "You take the Sunday service." And so I did this uh, uh, sermon on the attributes of God. You know, God's all knowing. He's all powerful. He's he's all present. All the, You know. So you know the the omnipotent and all of that you, you you know those those fancy words and so i'm just i'm gonna be the i'm gonna be i i i must have been 25 i think 24 something like that and so i i was going to be the the great theologian and so i'm talking about god's omnipotence and his all-powerfulness and and i'm sitting there and i i go out, i says he's omnipotent he's omnipotent and I, I could see my wife and my mom. My wife was sitting behind my mom and dad and, and they're there. And my my mom is just doing this. She's looking down at the ground, just shaking her head like this. And my wife, she just has a smile on her face and like she's really supportive and well, at that same time, after after church, Kathy and I would go out to Dolan Springs. We were doing a little satellite work out there, ministering to people out in Dolan. And so afterwards, we'd go get lunch and, you know, usually get a sandwich, and we'd drive out to Dolan, and, and then we'd go preach and do a service there. And so, I mean, we, we left church, went, got our sandwich, ate our sandwich, and we're driving to Dolan. We hadn't talked yet. Nobody's saying nothing. And all of a sudden, Kathy says, she goes, hey, what's uh." What's omnipotent? And I'm, you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe she didn't get it. You know, I'm 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 ready. I'm just gonna explain to her exactly. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the Bible answer man right at that moment. And I looked at her and says, well, you know, omni means all and potent means power, so he's all powerful. And she says, kind of like omnipotent. <laughs> I went, oh dear God. I I just holy cow. The whole sermon, omnipotent, Omni, all. Omniscience, omniscience. You know, it's like, oh my God. <coughs> There's a friend of ours that we've known for years. He preached here a couple years back. His name's Hank Houghton. He made this st- statement. He says, anything worth doing is worth doing badly for a little while. <laughs> See, none of us start at the top. We all start at the bottom. And so if we're a church that's going to reach the lost and restore the broken and then take those people and release them into their destiny, we have to be patient. And we have to be excited. We we don't measure them by how good they are. We measure them by what kind of thing they're stepping into. Did they step up to the place? It's like It's like your children. Uh, you know, we, we, when your kids are little... You we you they bring art home and it's like holy cow That's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. I remember when Jason started playing the piano. We you, you say, Well when did he start? He started all the way back into Head Start. At the Head Start graduation he played Twinkle Twinkle Little Star on a xylophone. And and yeah, and he transposed it. That was that was the thing that was amazing. But somewhere along the line, he had this ability. But as I'm watching him, I'm not seeing this little four-year-old, you know, Head Start kid on a little toy xylophone. I see Yanni. I'm, looking, I'm like, my God, he's a genius. He's brilliant. I admit, I've heard, I, I, I've since come to understand a new, it's, you know, mom goggles. You, you have you ever had mom goggles on? I, it's, ever, it's like, oh, my God, you are you are the best looking boy in the whole world it's it's like you they're, you're the strongest see and we got to be that church we got to look at people and when they're doing something for god they might be making a mess of it but you know what somewhere they're doing something they could be out doing god knows what but we're releasing them. So at first, if we're going to be a church, if we're going to be a church that that's our vision, you know what? Reaching the lost is going to be a little scary at times because they're lost. I remember one time Pastor Pennington, his stories, I I, I wish he would have wrote them down. I probably ought to write some of them down because he told me all, just about all of them. He tells me this time, this is before he got saved. He was in Indio, California. <laughs> Indio is not a real good place to be all the time. But anyway, he was there, and he was a little um, maybe compromised, if you know what I mean. <laughs> and he drives into a gas station, and he goes, hey, man, he says, we're looking for Indian Avenue. Well, Indian Avenue is the main drag through Indio, California. And the guy in the gas station goes, it's right there. You just That's Indian Avenue right there. You just, We're on it. So Howard gets back in the car with his buddies, and they take off. About 10 minutes later, they end up back at the same gas station. They get out, and they go, hey, man, talking to the same guy. Where's Indian Avenue? And the guy gets, look, dude, it's right there. That You just, that's Indian Avenue right there. He said, the third time we came into the gas station, the guy says, look, dude, you probably ought to lay down for a little while. You probably ought to sleep some of this off, if you know what I'm saying. You're you're probably not good, but that's the loss. You know, that's 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 one time Howard was driving up I five, and he was in a Volkswagen. Him and Pam were in a Volkswagen, and they they drove probably about 15 miles on the shoulder, hitting every one of those delineator stakes. Pull, highway California Highway Patrol pulls him over and says, "Hey man, you 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 know you've been driving 15 miles, hitting all." He goes, No, I haven't. He goes, Look at the front of your car. The front of his Volkswagen was all just tore up, tore to shreds. How, yeah, no, no. It gets worse. Six months after Howard was saved, he's sitting under the big tree at his house. He's smoking a joint. His pastor shows up and he hides the joint behind his back. And the pastor says, How are you doing? He goes, Fine. So he takes off pastor takes off so Howard decides to go into the shed he had a tool shed he said because I was convinced God could not see through that tool shed (laughs) Howard's testimony he goes I was not a star convert most are not most of us are not. We're, we're reaching the lost, they're lost, and we've got to be patient. We've got to love them and care about them, but we've got to be committed to restoring them. And that's one of the things that, 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 that we did in the past really well was restoring people. But we've got to take it a step further. We can't, we've got to give them purpose. We got to be able to identify. We got to be able to see into them and say, "You know what? You're more than just a churchgoer. You're you're more than just a pew warmer. You're you're destined for greatness. You're you're going to go change the world." See, that was one of the things that held me in church is I would hear all the time, "John, you can change the world." Amen. Amen. You could change the world and your world starts right outside those doors. I remember Howard coming to me and saying to me, he goes, you know what, John, you ought to start a 12-step program. Does anybody know my testimony? I got saved when I was seven, filled with the Holy Ghost at 12, called into the ministry at 16, pastored my first church at 21. I was goody three shoes because I had one up on the two shoes. I remember the first time somebody said to me, hey, there's a roach back here. I'm like, who cares about bugs, I, I didn't know, roach clips, I didn't understand what it was about, I didn't, I didn't know, I had to go to all, I had to go to Howard and ask him all, I had to learn the lingo, but somewhere God came along and he gave me a gift and Jacob's Ladder has had huge success, why? Because somebody took a risk and somebody was willing to release me into that ministry, that's what we got to be about. That's who we're called to be. So it may feel awkward. There may be people up here that preach to you, and you might go, well, this is horrible. <laughs> you might be thinking that now. I, I don't know. But somewhere what we got to do is we got to go, wait a second. This is more than about me. We're building something here. See, when family see the, the, the all that we're talking about, all of that right there happens best in the context of family. It's when we it's when we take on the role of being a spiritual mother or father. And we come alongside somebody and we love them and we care about them, and we say, "You could do more. You could be better. You're 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 better than this. You there's so much inside you. God is inside you." That's our vision. Releasing into destiny. What could we do if we would release people? What could we do if we would just be patient with them? If we would let them say, you know what, I I, I you know, I can feed myself. I, I could go home and read the Bible. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to watch what God rises up there. It would be a powerful thing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, that's what, if you remember the beginning of this Series, I told you that I came back from a conference where I was just stirred. I mean, there was a lot of things said there. There was a lot of good preaching, all of that. Those things stirred me. But the thing that stirred me more than anything was watching the dynamics of the house. One was how they fellowshipped with one another, how they loved each other. They were deliberate. You know, if you the Bible says that if you want a friend. Be a friend. So many times we're waiting for people to come to us. God's saying, stop waiting. Go to somebody. You might be going to your next best friend. You know, somewhere we have to be deliberate. We might It might cost us an extra five minutes getting out of church. But that five minutes may change our lives. It was the fellowship. It was the love. and It was the love for the house. And it was the fact that, you know what, people were celebrated. They, yeah they weren't great there was some there might be singers that aren't so good they might be musicians that they don't play well but they got the guts to get up here and play and sing yeah. they're saying you know what i just want to do something for god they'll get better yep. you know what and somewhere along the line is we release people and we celebrate them and we say you know what god we're we're just we're going to build the kingdom man god will pour into us like we've never been poured into before See, that's what it's about. That's what church is about. Reaching the lost, restoring the broken, and releasing people into their destiny. That's what we're about. Can you say amen? amen. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we just thank you so much, God, for all that you're doing. We First, we want to say thank you for this vision. And Father, we pray that we pray that this vision, God, would capture us, God, that we would be held by it, Father, that we would begin to understand it and to bring it into our lives and, and, and invest in it. Father, help us to be buyers. Help us to invest our lives into what you're doing here at this church. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness your grace. Father, we thank you, God, for your challenge in our lives. And Father, I just pray right now for every person in this room today, Father, that you would cause these words, God, these words that came from you, God, to penetrate hearts, to find good soil, good ground, to where it will bear fruit. Father, that we would be a church That's reaching out for the lost. That we would reach out in love and grace and in mercy, touching lives, bringing people to salvation, sharing the love of Jesus Christ. Father, that we would be a people committed to restoring the broken, understanding that it may take a little bit, but with you, All things are possible. That lives can truly change. Families can be restored. Marriages can be brought back together. People can have their minds back. Father, I pray that you help us. And then, Father, I pray that you help us to be a people that are willing to release others into their destiny. Willing to support them when they're not so good. Knowing that one day, they may change the world for you. And Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, church, I, let me just say this and then I'm going to let you go. This, I, I, As your pastor, I will tell you, this is hugely important that we get this as a church. Because if we'll get this, I believe God will invest in it. I believe God will say, okay, I'm on board with this. Reaching the lost, restoring the broken, releasing into destiny. That's who we are. Can you say amen? Stand to your feet all across this place. Our prayer team is coming. If you have a need of any kind, come on up. Let them touch you, minister to you, pray for you. Um, We love you today. Go have a great, great afternoon. We'll see you next week. You guys, man, Jesus is with you. God bless.